Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey everybody, welcome today to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I'm grateful to God that you would hang out with us for a little while today and let us be able to encourage you, challenge you, strengthen you in your faith with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we, we, we want to build real followers of Jesus here. Authentic, true, genuine. And uh, we want you to take off the mask. Let God work in you so that God can work through you and you can experience the joy of salvation. And we say that because we want to make it real easy to go to heaven. We want to make it real easy to go to heaven from right here where God placed us. So no matter where you're watching from, you can help us, and we invite you to do that. Hey, come join with us. If you live close by, come join us at one of our two locations. If you live far away, help us. Reach out. Help us help you. Let us help you continue to get this message out to as many people that will watch and listen, and I pray be touched by the Spirit of God in their life. I'm excited about this series that we're calling The Blessed Life, and um, it's, a, it's a walk through what we would know through Scripture as the Beatitudes. And um, the Beatitudes are, is, is, a, is, is found in a sermon that Jesus spoke. His first recorded sermon is found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and he begins with these nine statements And he talks about blessing, being blessed, how to be blessed by God, and what that looks like. And so if you want to know what the blessed life looks like, I got the answer. It may not be exactly what you think, but today I want you to see the power of what it looks like to live live for God in a world that I believe desperately needs him. And so I'll start by making this statement. And I'll say this, God's way of living always contradicts the world's way of living. We've talked about this a lot on our property and in our services about about the enemy that comes against us. The Bible says that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said after that, he said, but I've come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, you, you are going to have trials and tribulations in life. He said, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And um, he tells us that the devil is like an angel of light and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He talks about the sinful nature inside of us that wars against the godly nature and wants it to be and, and wants its own way, its own thing, that selfish desire. 
And so our enemy can be divided into three parts. The devil, who is very real and very powerful. The world, which I will refer to when I say it this way, as a satanic belief system that is opposed to anything godly in your life. And finally, the sinful flesh. The selfish, sinful flesh that, that, that we are born with. And the only way to get rid of it is, number one, trust Christ as your Savior, and two, defeat it on a daily basis by overwhelming it by the Word of God and the Spirit of God in your life. Why should I do that? Why should we do that? Why should we fight these things that are warring against our soul? Because ultimately their goal is to take you to hell. But, but, but it's also because, because it, they, they don't want what's best for you. God does. And, and God's way is the best way. And God's way of living always contradicts the world's way of living. See, when we stand before God, I believe we do so empty-handed. And, and that's not always the case. I don't think that comes natural to us. I think when we stand before God, a lot of times, it's, it's, it's probably either we're holding on to something tight, or it's not just open-handed, it's like this, okay? I think there's two positions. One is closed-fisted, and I'm holding on. God, I'll give you all of this, but I'm hanging on to this. Or the other is, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. There's a different way to live the Christian life. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's a life of empty-handedness. Not one of closed fists and holding on. Not one of give me, give me, give me. But one that says, God, here I am. I'm nothing without you. And I need everything that you want to give me. And so I open up my hands and I ask you to fill it. And so when we stand before God, we do that empty-handedly. And, and one of the things that wants to fight that and come against that and keep us from doing that is the evil monster called pride. Pride is an evil monster that never stops vying for our heart. And, and we don't experience the blessed life, the healed life, the true joyful life that the Lord Jesus Christ comes to bring a lot of times simply because of pride and sin. And I'll call it the me monster, right? I know this as a parent of three children, I have never had to teach my, my children to do wrong. I, I, I constantly, my wife and I constantly have to teach them to do right, but we've never had to teach them to do wrong. And, and one of the first words that they would speak is mine. And, and it's, it's something that we're born with. It's because of a nature inside of us that is selfish, that is prideful at its core, and it wants to hold on to us. And, and that comes from the enemy, the world, and the sinful flesh. Because the devil, he's a prideful being. He wanted to ascend to God and be like the Most High. Pride is an evil monster that never stops vying for our heart. As a follower of Christ, I'm this. I'm simply an unworthy servant who depends completely on the mercy of God. Now, I'm saying, I don't see myself a lot of times like this. I don't see myself as an unworthy servant who completely depends on the mercy of God, but that's who I am. There's a lot of times I live by the mantra, if it's to be, it's up to me. But that doesn't help me in life when it comes to living life the way God intended. And so today, we get to begin to look at what happens when life hurts. 
When life hurts, I believe Jesus heals. And, and I believe everybody that, that is probably sitting in church and those that watch us today have been hurt in some way in life. We all have hurt. And hurt people hurt people. Why? Because they're hurt people. And, and we do that a lot. And, and life is just painful. Life is, is, we like to think that life is, is we want to live life on the mountaintop. But mountaintop experience in life are few and far between. Most of life is probably spent either going up, coming down, or living in the valley. Mountaintops are very rare. And, and, and so we, we spend the majority of our time in these other places. How do we deal with that? How do we handle that? How do we process the hurt and the pain of life? When it hurts, well, when it hurts, Jesus heals. Today, don't come to God with your hands full. Come to him with your hands empty. Don't come to God with your hands full. Come to God with your hands empty. We'll look at that in relation to one of the Beatitudes. This is what Jesus says, or Matthew chapter 5 It begins and says, when he saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowds that had gathered, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And so Jesus came up on this mountainside. He sat down. His disciples and these other people gathered around. And it says, then he began to teach them. He began to speak to them. He began to communicate with them. He began to teach them about the issues of life. And so what we see in the Sermon on the Mount is a very different way of teaching than what the people were used to. We see the people used to uh, the law of God, the judgment of God, the wrath of God, the fear of God, the holiness of God. We, we, we see them looking at the law of God and, 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 and really having a distance between them and God. We see the Pharisees that have risen into place, and they have kind of put themselves between God and man. They've they've put themselves there as as a way to get between the two, as a way to say, hey, look at me. I will show you how to live this life. It's gotten to the point now to where it's toxic. And they're like, you can't be like us. If you want to be like us, you got to do all these things. But most people didn't. And so for them, religion was a turnoff. A relationship with God seemed so far away, and life just kept getting more and more painful. And so Jesus begins this message with a series of statements, and the statements seem contradictory. They're, they're definitely contradictory to the way the world lived life, but, but, but it's different than the way that people had viewed things. And so this is what he says, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3, he begins by saying, the poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The poor in spirit, it's a, it's a, it's a term that represents humility. It's a term that represents empty-handedness. It's a term that means I don't have anything to give or offer, and so I'm coming dependent and expectant on the one that I'm coming to. And so the very first thing, I mean, the very first statement Jesus makes in his message to the people that are gathered that day reference not pride, but humility. 
And the poor in spirit, the humble, the meek, the lowly, the, those that are, that, are, that, are, that are full of humility but are completely dependent and expectant upon God, they are blessed. And he says this, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Something unique about the, the, the Beatitudes that we see is that all of them are speaking about something that is to come. You do this for you shall receive this, or you will one day get this, or this one day will happen. All of them are like that except for the first one. The first one has a very real, present, and powerful application to their life. Do this, live this, and receive this in the here and now. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven being theirs. Yes, if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a place reserved for you in heaven. Yes, eternity is promised for you with God forever. But I believe this, and I can reference it here, that when you become a follower of Jesus, eternity begins today. And God wants you to, to live in such a way to where you experience a little bit of heaven here. And the only way that you and I can do that is through this right here. In Isaiah chapter number six, the prophet Isaiah, he was the man. He was kind of the, 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 the man of the moment. He was, the, he was, he was the, the man of the hour. He was God's tower of power. He was too sweet to be sour. All right, that's who Isaiah was in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 6, he has a vision where he's caught up to heaven. And this great man of God, this really this famous person, had now finds himself in the throne room of heaven before God himself and the angels that are surrounding the throne. And he finds, he finds himself completely inadequate for the moment. We would look at him at, 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 at that day and time and say, man, there's no one holier than Isaiah. There's no one godlier than Isaiah. There's no one better than Isaiah. And he finds himself in heaven. He's completely undone. He's reminded of how sinful he is. And he falls on his face before God. Like, I can't, this is not, I'm not worthy of this. And he confesses his sin. God touches his life cleanses him of that, and then communicates a mission. I need somebody to go for me. And now Isaiah, who has been cleansed and made whole, he says, man, I, I'll go. Send me. Let me be the one. One who comes before God completely humble in their insufficiency and realizing in that moment that God has a need that needs to be fulfilled and sufficiency is found in him. The poor in spirit are blessed. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven can be yours today. Pride is a big enemy and monster that stands in our way. It keeps us from experiencing a lot of the joy and peace that comes from knowing God. Because we may be prideful in situations where, hey, I'm right and they're wrong. I may be prideful in a situation of something that I want to hold on to and not give away because it's so special. You just don't understand how important this is. I can be prideful in the things that I expect that I'm owed by, by God or by somebody else. And so to live a life that is empty-handed before God, not closed fist, not gimme, 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 but a life that says, God, I'm here and I'm ready to receive. Here are some things we need to understand about empty-handed 
living. Empty hands release you from the idea that God owes you. I think a lot of people live like that. God owes me. I'm a good person. Hey, I mean, a lot of people live life like that. You're going to go to heaven one day. How? Well, I'm a good person. God's not going to send a good person to hell. Whose goodness are you basing that on? Yourself. You look in the mirror and say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Because of that, I deserve to get here. And so I live life like, like I'm owed something from somebody else. We see that in our culture today. Everybody thinks that, not everybody, but a lot of people, a lot of people groups think they're owed something from somebody else. Why? Because of something from the past or because of something that happened here, because of a hurt or a pain. And we live life like you owe me. You owe me respect. You, know, you owe me uh, acceptance. You owe me uh, just priority and just recognition into my people group, into this, into that. Who are you to say what I'm doing is wrong? Who are you to say this or that? Hey, you don't understand. I mean, there's all kinds of statements that we could use. But Jesus said the poor in spirit are blessed. And they get to experience the kingdom of heaven today. It's living a life before God that says, God, here I am, feel me. Here I am, forgive me. Here I am, heal me. Here I am, touch me, use me. Empty-handedness releases us from the idea that God owes you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3 says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not or do not rely on your own understanding. Why? Because I'm to trust in God. I'm to lean on him, not on my own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. He says, acknowledge him or think about him in all your ways, and God will guide you on the right paths. Think about him, acknowledge him in all your ways, and God will, God will guide you on the right path. He says this, don't consider yourself wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. See, we don't come to God to demand. We come to humble ourselves before him. There's so many passages of Scripture that we can look at today. We can go back to, there's a great story in Luke chapter 18 where Jesus and his disciples go to church. And they're watching people respond in this moment. They're watching people respond in the moment and people come to bring their offerings and their time of prayer before God. And, and Jesus singles out two guys. One, a tax collector, and the other, a Pharisee. And the Pharisee finds himself at the altar or he finds himself looking at the altar and he is looking at all the people and this is his prayer. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like any of these people. God, I thank you that I am not like them in any way. I'm thankful that you've chosen me for this moment. It's very much an you owe me kind of prayer. God, you ought to bless me because of who I am and what I do. The other was a tax collector that's laying before God at the altar and he's beating his chest. 
And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus looked at him and he told the disciples, he said, that man is the man that's going home forgiven because of his humility before God. When we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, when we don't lean on our own understanding, but we acknowledge him in our ways, he directs us to the right path. And so we're not to be wise in our own eyes. Instead, we're to fear God and turn away from evil. We don't live life like this. We don't come to God this way. We say, God, I'm open-handed. I'm empty-handed. I'm coming to you with nothing to offer but with everything to gain. And so here, we don't come to God to demand. We come to humble ourselves before him. That's that's, That's what we do with our empty hands. God, you don't owe me anything, but I owe you everything. Empty hands help you handle difficulties. Empty hands help you handle temptation. Empty hands help you handle trials and tribulations. Empty-handed living helps you handle difficulties. That's what it does. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter wrote, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. When I come before God like this or, or, or like this, I'm coming with an, I, with, I, I'm basically coming with God, you owe me. You owe me. You owe me for what I've done or what I'm doing or, or, or these things, or I'm hanging on to this. God, I'll give you all of these things, but I'm going to hang on to this. I'm going to hang on to this hurt. I'm going to hang on to this worry. I'm going to hang on to this pain. I'm going to hang on to this sin. I'm going to, I'll even humble myself before you in all these ways, but I'm going to hang on to this. Empty-handed living allows God to work and meet us in the midst of our difficulties. Humble yourselves, Peter said, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you when, not in your time, but at the right time, at the proper time. He goes on to say, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Another version says, casting all your anxieties, all of your worries on him because he cares for you. Do you do that? I'll turn around, Jeff. Do you do that? I really stink at that. I don't do good at that at all. I'm terrible at it. And because of that, I live a lot of my life either like this or like this. Or... Like that. I call it the poochie lip disease. My mama would say, I could ride to town on that bottom lip. I remember those. I mean, I've got that. But I live my life as an adult like that a lot of times. God, it's just me. Woe is me. Oh, self-loathing. There's selfishness. There's self-righteousness. And there's self-loathing. All of them are wrong. All of them turn us inward rather than upward. Peter said, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He says, be serious, be sober, be alert. 
Your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour. The enemy's just waiting. He's lurking. He's looking. He's like a lion crouched down, ready to attack, looking for someone that is in a uh, vulnerable situation. That's exactly what he's doing. And so Peter tells us, he says, you got to cast your cares on God because he cares for you. He said, but look at this. When that happens, resist him. My anxieties, my worries, my fears, my doubts, I throw them to God. I cast them on God. I come empty-handed before him so that he can strengthen me in his time so that he can help prepare me for what's coming because the enemy's looking for vulnerability. And when he comes, the Bible says, resist him. He says, fight back. Fight for your very life because it depends on it. If I'm in the jungle and a lion comes out, am I just going to lay there and just let him eat me? I'm going to fight. I might lose, but I'm going to fight for survival. Comes a time in the Christian faith where you got to fight, but we don't fight people. We resist him, the devil, and be firm in your faith. Be firm in your faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by the fellow believers throughout the world. Just before Jesus spoke this sermon, he was tempted and tested by the devil. What did, the, did Jesus lay down? Was Jesus intimidated? Was Jesus defeated? No, he was highly victorious. But he was victorious because he, he was strong in his faith, but he was poor in his spirit. You want somebody who embodied this lifestyle perfectly? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 tells us that. Paul said he didn't consider himself equality or consider equality with God as something to be held on to. Instead, he gave it. He offered it. He took on the form of a man. He came willingly, gave his life on a cross, even death there, so that you could have life in his name. Jesus perfectly embodied the poor in spirit, the meek, humble, gentle life, but at the same time, he was firm, he was strong, he was powerful because he trusted God and his strength and his grace to fill him and help him handle the difficulties. Peter said, now the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Listen, Satan is the master of pride. When you humble yourself before God, you eliminate any power he has over you. We eliminate any and all power he has over us. I get it, man. Life hurts. Life is painful, and I can try to pull out one or two scenarios of that. I can say, yeah, you may be going through this, or you may be going through that. Listen, life is painful. It, the enemy is real. The world is, 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 is real. The sinful nature wars against me. And Jesus said, I don't want you just to experience heaven when you die. I want you to get a taste of heaven in the here and now. How do I do that? I have to come before God humble and empty-handed. Not like this. Not like this. Not like this. But simply like this. 
Empty-handedness releases me from the idea that God owes me something. Empty-handedness allows God to meet me in my difficulties. Empty-handedness releases me from the bondage of selfishness. Galatians 2, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. I don't live. I no longer live. It's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, self may exalt you or condemn you, but either way, it wants to control you. Empty hands help release me from the bondage of selfishness. And finally, empty-handedness frees me to worship and live for Jesus. It frees me to worship and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. You would think that it would lead me to bondage, but it really leads me to freedom. James chapter 4, he writes... God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil, and he'll leave you. He says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. He says, wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded people. What's he talking about? He's talking about humility. He's talking about empty-handedness. He's talking about, God, I don't owe you anything, but I want to receive everything from you. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning, your joy to sorrow. He's talking about a humble way of living life. If you humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you in his time. See, when you and I see the poverty of our position before God, when we see that without God we are nothing, when we see that positionally we are as poor as poor can be when it comes to our standing with God, when we see the poverty of our position before God, the gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ becomes overwhelmingly glorious to us because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. The startling point to living the God-blessed life is realizing that we don't have what it takes, but God does. And that's really all that matters. Today, don't come to God with your hands full. Come to Him with your hands empty. Come to Him and humble yourself before Him. Ask Him to forgive you and cleanse you of sin. Cast your cares upon him, your anxieties and fears and problems. Forgive those that have hurt and wronged you. Ask him to protect you from the enemy that is coming against you, to lead you away from temptation, and to give you victory in every possible way in your Not this, not this, not this, just simply this. Jesus said the poor in spirit are blessed. When you discover that, you'll begin to realize and live a little bit of the kingdom of heaven on the earth today.
before you. God, thank you for the people that would take time to hear your word today. Bring them to a place of humility, a place not where they say, God, you owe me, not to a place of pride, selfishness, anger, wrath, but a place of freedom where they live empty-handed before you and you fill them with exactly what they need for this day. Would you bless them and use them, fill them in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed day.